I'm alive. Shane is alive. I have survived my procedure, although I'll say this, it feels like by the skin of my teeth. Um, I don't want to get into a ton of the details about my procedure and the stuff that I've been through over the last like week and a half or two weeks here at the beginning of the show. So what I'm going to do is after the show is over, I'm going to include that after the bump out. Um, if look, it's it might be kind of graphic. Some people may not want to hear the story about what I went through. I went through a surgery for my bowels. Uh, some people get squeamish when people talk about that stuff. So I'm going to leave that for the end of the show. If you want to know what happened and where I'm sitting with that stuff, just stick around until the bump out finishes at the end of the show and I'll go, in, I'll go into it. But for your purposes, for most of the people who are going to watch this episode of Ask Shane Anything, um, we're going to try to do Game Face tomorrow. Although you're probably watching this, it'll probably be today. Um, I don't think the show is going to be its normal three hours. And again, if you want to know why, stick around after the show ends and I'll explain what's going on with me. Um, it's probably not going to be three hours, maybe two hours, but we need to get our opinions about Zelda and stuff out there. So this has been a nightmare. <laughs> I'll just crib notes version. I'm just going to say it's been a nightmare. Um, and I'm very happy that I feel like I could even sit here for 20 or 30 minutes and record this for you guys. It's been rough. Um, but anyway, here we are for Ask Shane Anything, my return back to content uh, with you guys. Um, as always, thanks to everybody who pledges. It's $7 or more per month. You guys are the ones that make this show happen. But we also open up the questions to everybody uh, because we want to do this show every week. And I would just say this, you guys have delivered. Now, on our Patreon, not so much. You guys did ask more questions than normal. But over on Sifted.net, we have a new forum thread open where you guys can just ask me questions when they come to your mind so you don't have to wait for me to ask for them. And oh my gosh, what a difference it's made. There are literally dozens and dozens of questions waiting for me to answer there. Thank you. That is amazing. Um, once I'm really feeling better, this show's going to hit a stride. And probably what we'll end up doing is we'll end up doing an episode every Friday. Um, and that will give you guys something to listen to over the weekend waiting for us to come back on Monday. So anyway... Thanks again for your patience, everybody. I really appreciate it. I can't even really put into words how hard it is to do this when you have a medical condition. Because for every one of you that says, Shane, take your time, your community will be here waiting for you, and all these nice things that are awesome, there's three other people that just don't give a crap and they just drop their pledge. And so if you're sitting at home feeling god-awful, and you keep getting these alerts coming from Patreon that people have dropped their pledges. I, I don't think human beings are supposed to do this. It's a lot easier if you're doing a Patreon and you have other people working with you. Where if you're sick or something, other people can jump in and help. But that's just not the case for us. So again, I really appreciate that you guys have waited. Um, it's been like a week and a half since I've been on camera for anything really. Um, so I really, really appreciate the people who have stood beside us and behind us and continued to support us. All right, our first question for this episode comes from Patreon from Mark Montana. Hi, Shane. Any thoughts on Phil Spencer's chat with the Kind of Funny Xbox podcast? Microsoft seemed to have let Arcane do their thing with Redfall and didn't really engage with them enough during development to address the bugs at launch. Also, his stance, meaning Phil Spencer's, is that developing great games isn't enough to compete with Sony and Nintendo. This seems to be in conflict with this strategy of acquiring studios and IP. Okay, I think why a lot of people have been caught off guard by that Phil Spencer interview is that it was candid and honest. People aren't used to getting that 
from executives and CEOs. So the first thing I want to say is kudos to Phil Spencer for being honest and candid because a lot of CEOs simply won't do that. Now, probably should also give some kudos to his boss because he feels confident that he can say these things and won't end up in trouble with his supervisor. So his supervisor is probably a pretty cool guy too. Now, with all that said, look, if you go back, if you rewind, go back and watch Game Face from like five or six years ago, I was calling for Phil Spencer to be fired back then. This was back when Xbox was on the treadmill of Halo, Gears, Forza, Halo, Gears, Forza. It was just the same thing year after year after year. And I was like, this guy, what is he doing? Now, I backed off that stance when they found their new strategy and they pivoted towards Game Pass because I was like, I'll be honest with you, I really don't know if this is a good idea or not because it's never been done before. And I like to give people the benefit of the doubt if they're trying something new. I found it sifted after all. So (laughs) I have a little soft spot in my heart for people who go for it and try to do new things. So I gave him the benefit of the doubt. But I'll be honest with you, I am circling right back around again to not necessarily fire him, but it's getting there. Um, He has basically been given a blank check to do whatever he wants with it. And let's be honest, so far, that has not borne any fruit for Xbox. Really, any fruit because Game Pass jumped very quickly up to 20, 25 million subscribers. And it's kind of just been sitting there treading water ever since. And why? It's because of what you bring up, Mark, because everyone's waiting for games that they want to play. So you have this promise of Game Pass and some for some people being able to sample all the latest indie games is enough to rationalize $15 a month. There's a lot of people out there that really money isn't a problem. They make way more money than they could ever spend, and they're like, you know what, 15 bucks, not a big deal. If I can play all the cool indie stuff, that's well worth the money. A lot of people don't like indie games. I'm not saying that I'm one of them, but I think I'm more realistic in the value of indie games than a lot of other journalists are. So a lot of people are like, that's not good enough. A bunch of indie stuff isn't enough for me to spend $15 a month because I don't buy an indie game every month, and a lot of people don't. So... Again, I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt, but so far this is not coming to fruition. We also gave them a bit of a grace period here. We're like, okay, first couple years of this generation, let's just let them do their thing because they bought these studios. Now they have to wait for these games to be done. And then once the games are done, then it'll be fair to pass judgment. Well, as you bring up, Redfall, one of the big games that is done now. And, you know, there wasn't, there was a couple little delays, but there weren't a lot of rumblings about the game being a mess or that they're scrambling to get it done or there's crazy crunch going on. None of those reports really came out about the game and then it launched and people were like, what is this? I was like, what is this? It's not a good game. And so a lot of people had been waiting. They, they felt that Redfall was the signpost, the harbinger. What Redfall will be or is will be a sign of what's to come from Xbox and Game Pass, and it's not a good game. So I think a lot of people were let down. A lot of people were waiting for that game. Now, I think realistically, the game everybody really should be waiting for is Starfield. If that game is a disaster, Microsoft is in deep, deep crap. I mean, if that game doesn't deliver, you're going to see, I believe, a pretty big exodus from Game Pass at that point. I think people will have completely lost faith that Xbox is going to be able to supply the service with enough content to keep subscribers happy. So let's go back to some of your other more specific questions here. Um, Developing great games isn't enough to compete with Sony and Nintendo. It is. It is. Your games, but your games just can't be great. They have to be better. 
than Sony and Nintendo's. Is that possible? Yes, it absolutely is possible. You're talking about the defeatist attitude. That is a defeatist attitude. I don't know if Phil at this point has just been beaten up so much and he's tried so many different things and none of it's really worked and really the only way that Xbox is stuck around is because it's owned by Microsoft and it's willing to not do well and keep throwing money into the hole. Maybe that's all hit Phil at this point and he's realizing, man, we haven't got it done. I don't know. But you're right. It is a crazy defeatist attitude. And you're right. It's completely flies in the face of their strategy of buying all these studios. I also feel like the Activision Blizzard acquisition, even if it does go through, and it does look like it's going to go through, but even if it does, they've been forced to neuter that deal so much to get it to pass through regulators that it just doesn't have teeth anymore. Why would you buy Activision Blizzard and not get Call of Duty exclusive? What's the point? I just, it feels like a bunch of bad decisions are coming to a loggerhead right now. And all culminating at once. And I'll tell you what, if Starfield doesn't burn down the house, Xbox is in major trouble. Because then what do you do? Do you pivot back to, okay, well, we're just gonna charge 60 and $70 for our games now. Does that work? It might. I mean, I don't think enough people were married to the Game Pass strategy in the first place that they'd be like, oh, I'm so bummed now. Like, I gotta pay 60 bucks. Some people may prefer that model. It's working for PlayStation. It's working for Nintendo. So I don't. I do not believe that they can't compete with games. They can. They just have to make better games. Is that Phil admitting that his teams can't make games that are good enough? It's not good, no matter how you look at it. Even if you're a hardcore Xbox fan, you have to kind of be watching like some of his recent comments kind of out of the side of your eye being like, what? So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Obviously, Phil gets paid a lot more money than I do to figure out what's going on, and he has not done a good job of figuring that out. But again, I do admire that he tried. He at least tried to do something different. So I hope it works. I hope Starfield comes out, and it is like the game of the year quality, like one of the most amazing games you've ever played. And I hope that this whole strategy works out, because all I root for is for everyone to win. And now it's ridiculous to say everyone can win, because they can't all finish in first, but they can all win. They can all sell enough consoles and enough software or enough subscriptions on Game Pass to be profitable and everybody wins. That's what I'm rooting for. It's not looking good. All right, our next question comes from Patreon from Simon Wallace. I wanted to ask when you and your wife decided that you weren't going to have children. Was it something that you both knew from back when you were dating or did you end up deciding upon it much later? Well, Simon, it wasn't something that either one of us decided because both of us wanted to have kids badly. We both wanted to have kids, at least two kids. Um, Unfortunately, medically, it was impossible. We, um, We found that out. We got married late. We didn't get married until like our 30s. And for women, that's a danger zone there. You don't know if, you know, women are still gonna be able to have kids at that age. And uh, we figured it out pretty quickly that it was going to be a struggle. And then we started going through the process of trying to have a kid working with doctors and scientists. Uh, So we went through IVF. And I'm not going to go through all the details of that, but it is awful. (laughs) And not really awful for me. Awful for the female. Awful for my wife. Um, We went down that road for like three years. We tried IVF like six times. Um, You can Google that and find out how expensive it is. And it never worked. I personally feel like IVF is a scam. Um, I don't know, maybe you guys have had some luck with it. After I've gone through that process and dealing with that whole scene, I feel like we were manipulated to keep spending money and keep trying when the chances of it working were minimal to zero. And so I feel like those doctors 
manipulate people because people who want children want them so desperately. And so did we. Um, and so you, you know, I talk about my nieces and nephews all the time because they're the closest thing I have to kids. You know, they're the, they look like me, some of them, at least a little bit like me, some of them. And so I try to glean a little bit of the enjoyment that people have from getting kids. I try to push that into my nieces and nephews, and I try to glean that enjoyment from spending time with my nieces and nephews. Now, the worst part about that is I live all the way out here in California, and all my nieces and nephews are back on the East Coast in Pennsylvania and all over the East Coast, really. And so I don't get to see them that often. I get to see them at Christmas for like a few hours, and that's like it. So it's all like FaceTime and text messages and phone calls, but I'm missing out. That's been one of the hardest things of living out here in California over the last 10 years because they're also like, they're starting to turn into teenagers. They're not kids anymore. Um, for the longest time, they wouldn't even remember me. They'd see me from one Christmas to the next. They'd be like, who are you? I'm like, I'm your Uncle Shane. Remember me? I bought you like this awesome thing last Christmas. No, I'm sorry. I don't remember you. They remember me now, but what they remember about me is that I'm never around. So it hasn't worked out for us, um, unfortunately, as far as children are concerned. But I'll say this. If we had kids, Sifted would have been gone a long time ago because Sifted is not generating enough money to raise kids. I could tell you that right now. So I guess sometimes things happen for a reason, but this is one of those things in life that just seems really, really unfair. Our next question comes from Patreon from El Timbo. I have never played The Last of Us, but I would like to in the near future. I can download the PS4 remaster for free because of PlayStation Plus, or I can pay for the PlayStation 5 remake. What version do you think I should play if money isn't a deal breaker? Okay, well, I would say if money is no object at all and you're wealthy, I don't have no idea. I don't know, you know, what your financial situation is. But if you have enough money that paying for the remake isn't going to chafe any skin off your ass, then play the remake and pay for the remake. It's undoubtedly the better version of the game. Now, that said, the original had already been remastered once. Not remade, but remastered. And so there's already a pretty damn good version of the original version that is sitting there on PSN. As you said, if you're a subscriber, that's part of your plan. You can just download it and you can play it. And I think also, depending on the plan, I think once you claim it, you also have it forever as long as you keep subscribing. So if you were, I guess... Let me look at it this way. If you were strapped for cash even a little bit, I would just play the original on PlayStation Plus. Because while the remake is better, it looks better, it plays a little bit better, there are very subtle changes, some quality of life stuff that it does make a little bit of a difference. So it is the better version of the game, but not by leaps and bounds. Again, don't forget that the first game was remastered before that, and you can play it even on your PS4 Pro in 4K, and it looks damn good. So... That's a great game from day one. Like, even if you go and play the old version that originally came out, like, it's still a great game. Um, so if you enhance the visuals and these different steps, like, it just keeps getting better and better. But the bottom line is you're going to enjoy the game, I believe, no matter what. And it doesn't matter if you play the original version, if you play the remaster, or if you play the remake. So if money's no object, plunk down the money for the PS5 version. If it's like, okay, I'm not hurting for money, but money still matters, like 50 or 60 bucks still make a difference to me, then I would just go with the older versions. Either way, I think you're going to love the game. Okay, our last question for today's episode comes from Sifted from Gregor G. With all the recent buzz surrounding AI and chat GPT, what are your thoughts regarding how journalism will have to change in the long and short term? Okay, chat GPT is a really complicated question. I do like that you tried to focus it a little bit. So there's something that I can pull from. 
ChatGPT is going to change everything. It already is. Yesterday, my wife just discovered it for the first time, and she just started asking it random stuff. I never even would have thought to ask it. Like, what's the best way to plan, like, a wedding shower? Stuff like this um, that would never even occur to me, but it's a part of her life and things that she's thinking about now. And sure enough, ChatGPT just spelled it all out. Here's what you do. Here's the steps. It, it is amazing. It is amazing. It is, at the same time, disconcerting. Um as someone who is a journalism major. Now, granted, I've been in the workforce for so long that my major doesn't really matter all that much, but still, writing and producing and things like that are a big part of my job. And so I feel a little bit like the the people who used to work in the Detroit auto plants back before automation became a thing, before robots became a thing, and before they were replaced on the assembly line by robots that did the exact job the exact same way every single time, and never made a mistake. Here's the thing. Writing, even I can't write without making a mistake. It's hard. Writing is one of the most difficult things that the human brain does. And the first thing I've got to say is that I am blown away by how good ChatGPT is at it. Um, I'll be honest with you. I sit and curate stories all day. ChatGPT writes better than like 70% of games journalists. Because, let's be honest, most of the games journalists in this industry did not go to school for it. They are not journalism majors. They like games and they're like, I can kind of write. And they just kind of, and that's fine. Like, I'm not trying to slag on them for doing that. Like, I like that they have a passion and they're just going for it and throwing caution to the wind. I love that spirit. But the bottom line is they're not great writers, a lot of them. Now, some of the bigger websites, they have copy editors, they have reviews editors or previews editors who get the copy from their underlings and they punch it up and they rewrite it and they make it better. Most of the writing from the big publications is okay. But you start digging around in like the descriptions of YouTube videos from these small, and it gets ugly fast. So I think my knee-jerk reaction at first was, oh my God, my whole profession is being replaced. But now that I've used ChatGPT more, that, I don't think that is the case. I think you're going to look for people who are good at manipulating ChatGPT into producing good copy. So I think that ultimately there's going to be a skill of using ChatGPT. Some people will be better at it than other people will be. Now, one thing I will say is that we run an aggregation curation website. And traditionally for SEO, search engine optimization, it is terrible. It's just like Facebook or Twitter. Search engines do not give credit to the aggregator or the social media platform. They always look for the original source. So we could curate something for a website that got like five views on its website, and maybe it does 40,000 views on Sifted or whatever. We're not going to be the result that returns on the search engine. It will be the original website that produces the content. And that's legitimately the way it should be. We should not get credit for other people's work. That's exactly how it should work. Um, so I'm not complaining. And we knew this all along um, when we built Sifted. We didn't think that it mattered if we had SEO because we thought the site would speak for itself and we'd have a big audience and we had no ads. So we didn't really care about page views and SEO when we built the site. Now we're kind of wishing we had cared about that stuff. But anyway, we didn't when we built it because we're like, it's ad-free, it's subscription only. None of that stuff matters anymore. It was another reason why Sifted was awesome. We didn't have to play by all the stupid SEO games because I'm sure a lot of you right now have probably been looking around for guides for Zelda because it's all gaming websites are producing now. And why is that? Because it's the only thing that draws traffic anymore. Guides, cheat codes, that's where all the traffic is. So I sit here 
and all the websites are just pumping out guides for Zelda, just literally hundreds and hundreds a day, because they're what draw traffic now. It's like the only thing left that draws traffic for these websites. So they're just pumping them out. But if you go and read those, they are so annoying. You just want to know, like, what what's the code for this safe in this game or whatever? Because you don't feel like finding the little piece of paper hidden somewhere that has the code on it. You have to go through three paragraphs of nonsense before they just put the code there. And you're like scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Oh, there's the three numbers I need. And the reason they don't just put the three numbers there is because they need all the SEO juice. So they have to create all these anchor, all this anchor text. You don't even realize it. It's all for SEO. And we thought we were going to be able to avoid that with Sifted. Didn't work out that way. So back to your question. ChatGPT, one thing that it could do for us, because we are typically just curating and aggregating content, is we could just re have ChatGPT rewrite the press releases, because that's all these sites are doing. Most of them never call the publishers to get a comment. When I worked at GameSpot News, I did. Every story, I called the publisher and was like, can we get a comment? Even if they said no comment, that went in the story. Nobody does that anymore. Now there's just a press release, and people just rewrite it, and they're getting the SEO juice from that. So what we could do, conceivably... I get all the press releases. When I wake up in the morning, my inbox is full of them. Just put that copy in a chat GPT, let it write the story, give it a quick copy edit, and boom, now all of a sudden we're publishing original news content. So that's just scratching the surface because chat GPT is going to do crazy stuff. Chat GPT eventually is going to edit videos. It is. It's going to get to a point where you label your clips very clearly. You create like a nomenclature so that like this sentence is sentence 51. And this is clip 51, meaning that they need to slide clip 51 into this space in the script. Like ChatGPT is going to do that eventually. AI is eventually going to be able to edit videos. And then almost everybody in the creative space in content is going to be threatened. So it is... Again, I could go on forever about ChatGPT and the stuff that it's going to do, or some other AI program that's going to come along that's even better than ChatGPT. It's going to change everything. But the big mistake here, and I saw my wife doing it yesterday already, is that people just assume that anything ChatGPT does is 100% legit and accurate, and it is not. So in addition to people who are good with ChatGPT, having a new skill set that could get them employment, also, the people who realize that it's not perfect and then realize they still have to do some hands-on work with whatever ChatGPT produces, those are the people who will be the best with the tool. So very exciting technology, very scary for some people and some professions, including mine. But I think ultimately, it will be for the better good. All right, thanks for watching my return to on-camera-ness. My first time on camera here for about a week and a half or two weeks. It has been a slog. As I said, if you want to hear what's really been going on with me medically, stick around until after the bump. Um, and I'll very quickly give you a synopsis of what's been going on. I'll do a little bit of that on Game Face tomorrow, but I don't want to burn a ton of time because, again, Game Face is going to be a little bit shorter, um, and I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about my medical uh, condition. So anyway, it's been tough, and I just want to say thank you very much, and thanks again to everyone who pledges at $7 or more per month. Again, head to patreon.com sifted, and you can pledge whatever you want there. Really appreciate you guys. Really appreciate all of you, both on our Patreon and on our website, jumping in and give us plenty, giving us plenty of questions. We are going to have Ashane Anything rolling for weeks on end here, and I can't wait. We'll see you on Game Face later on today. Okay, so I told you I was going to give you a quick synopsis on what's been going on with my health, um, and hopefully I can keep this under a few minutes here. Um, I don't want to go on too long. Um, basically what happened was I had my first colonoscopy at the end of last year. 
Um, they didn't find, they, I mean, they found cancerous stuff. They were able to remove it. But they also found something that was really big and really bad, but not cancerous. And I didn't want it removed, I'll be honest with you. I was like, well, then why remove it? They're like, you just should. And so I was like, all right, well, you're the doctor. You know best. We'll remove it. So that's what my surgery was for, was to remove a large growth in my digestive tract. And they were like, uh, the pain is going to last a couple weeks. And I didn't believe that because I went through an ACL reconstruction. I basically had my whole knee rebuilt and I took no pain pills. Like my t pain tolerance is like generally sky high. So I didn't believe the doctor when she said it's going to take two weeks and you'll be bleeding for two weeks. I was like, oh, whatever. I've heard that before. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm ahead in the curve there. Like that's not going to happen to me. Wrong. It was worse than anything that she prepared me for. It has been a walking nightmare. So the biggest problem for me, I'll be honest with you, and again, I told you I wasn't going to put this in the show because some of this stuff is gross and some people don't want to hear about it. But when I came out of the hospital, they gave me like um, laxatives so that like when I went to the bathroom, I wouldn't have to strain because it is excruciating. I can't even put into words the pain that I was in for like the first... 10 days going to the bathroom. It was, I've never felt pain like it. And I have been through some shit and I've never felt pain like that. And the problem that made it worse was that they had given me laxatives to make sure that I could go to the bathroom easily. And it worked, except I was going to the bathroom like five or six times a day. It was torture. It was rough, people. I can't, I'm a, people call me a hard ass that know me. They're like, dude, like nothing. Everything just bounces off of you. It beat my ass it's still i am still in pain sitting here right now and i've only sat here for 20 minutes and i'm already like i need to get up it, it, it's a pain i can't even describe because it's like inside it's like all the pain i've ever had is like oh i broke my arm my arm hurts oh i twisted my ankle my ankle hurts this is just like this pain from the inside that you just i couldn't even put it into words when you go to the bathroom it literally felt like someone was killing me murdering me so it's been a disaster. It's been a nightmare. Um, after a couple days, I stopped taking the laxatives. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I completely changed my diet. I started eating stuff that would make me not go to the bathroom because I was terrified of going to the bathroom. So I thought I was like dying internally. And so if you saw my post on Patreon, I went for a checkup that I wasn't supposed to have. I had an emergency appointment with the surgeon. And I went in there and the surgeon's like, you're actually healing pretty well. It is taking a little longer. The pain... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we maybe misled you a little bit on what the pain was going to be like, but generally she says that I'm healing the way that I'm supposed to. So there's no like red flags as far as she's concerned. I'm just supposed to ride this out. So um, that's where I'm at. It has been a disaster. Um, I can't sleep. Like I got to the point where I didn't want to eat because if I eat, if I would eat, I'd have to go to the bathroom and I didn't want to go to the bathroom My, for like a week straight. Everything I did was trying to not go to the bathroom because it was the most excruciatingly painful thing I think I've ever experienced in my life. So I'm a kind of turn the corner. Like I'm not, I can sleep now. Like I was able to sleep for like, because I wake up in the middle of the night in the worst pain and have to go to the bathroom. It was just awful. And I regret it. I wish I had never had this done because again, it was non-cancerous. And ultimately at the end of the day, they still couldn't tell me why. Why are we doing this? So if this happens again, I'm not getting it done again. Uh, it has been awful. And again, I just want to thank all you guys for being patient. Um, you know, and again, I put this at the end of the video because I know some people don't want to hear about this kind of stuff. But those of you who are adults 
and can listen to adult conversation. I appreciate you listening to this, and maybe now you understand uh, why we haven't been able to do Game Face. Like, I've, up until, like, the last couple of days, I've been able to sit for more than, like, 15 minutes at all. So it's been really tough, guys. So, again, thank you for your patience. I really appreciate all your support. That's what's been going on. Hopefully, from here on out, it's a steady recovery, and we can get back into the normal swing of doing Game Face every Tuesday.